the Culture Guy podcast. The body language episode. Or the episodes about gestures. Welcome back to the Culture Guy podcast. This time we'll talk about body language or hand gestures, gestures in general, how we communicate without words. Welcome back, everybody. This is Christian, your host, also known as the Culture Guy. We had quite a good response to that last episode where we talked about sex in the workplace, rather sexism in the workplace and in public life. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back to the archives, go to the culturemastery.com forward slash blog in our blog section. You'll see all the show notes of previous podcast episodes, or you'll just go on iTunes to our podcast registry or on Stitcher. So there's multiple ways you can access previous episodes and um, re-listen to the one about sexism, how it is still an issue. And... Well, sexism or the topic of sex in general isn't one that is easily talked about for uh, people from some cultures. So I had to find somebody who is from a rather liberal culture herself. And I'm making a segue into the Netherlands. So today I have a guest for you that I think you will like quite a bit because of the project she's been working on. It's called Gestonary. And she'll tell you all about it. It's basically a an app that you will find for free. And just go to the show notes. You'll find a link to iTunes to download the app. It explains hand gestures, body language, and how it is perceived in different cultures. I don't want to take away from her thunder, so I'll let her, um, Haneke Riedaik, explain what, what this app is about. Um, Hanneke is a business coach. She is from the Netherlands and currently lives in Germany, and she helps people and companies in the process of internationalization, multiculturalization, and social integration. So she's helping individuals, a lot of young entrepreneurs, young professionals in managing life and work in a global setting. And she is is quite an interesting guest. Um, I found her online, like so many of my guests, um, via Twitter. And... You should check her out. I will have all the contact information, how you can find Haneke online in the show notes. But for now, let's listen to our interview that we had together. Welcome, Haneke Riedijk. And I hope I'm saying your name right. Is is that how you pronounce your name, Haneke? Uh, it is, Christian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you are obviously from the Netherlands, or some would say from Holland, and there's been, especially in throughout Europe and outside of the Netherlands, there's a little bit of confusion about what is the Netherlands and what is Holland. In, in, in two sentences, what's the difference, or is there one that is important? 
Oh, I think uh, you can say both. Uh, the Netherlands is uh, is the name that is used in uh, diplomatic um, circles, I would say. Um, Holland is just a small part of the bigger um, country that is called the Netherlands. So uh, people use it um, uh, as an abbreviation, probably. Okay. Um, so are you are you okay with being called a Hollander? Oh yeah, that's no problem. <laughs> okay. Well, Hanneke, thank you for taking time to be on the Culture Guy podcast. I found you online, specifically on Twitter, and I found something that I thought was fascinating. You created an application, a, a, an online service called Gestionary, and yeah. it deals with explaining um, body language across cultures. So. Would you Indeed. explain to our listeners what exactly Gestionary does, who it is for, and which problem it is solving? So uh, Gestionary is... Uh, actually, the, the title itself uh, explains a lot. It's a dictionary, which is the second part of the word, for gestures, which is the first part of the word. And the dictionary uh, works with pictures and um, uh, explains the pictures and the movements that you would see in the pictures. Um, and it ex ex explains particularly what the uh, sign uh, means in a, in a particular context. So uh, if, if you uh, know the sign for fingers crossed, for instance, um, this, is, um, this is a sign that, that is used a lot in, um, in the United States and in, and in European countries as well. Um, I think everyone knows this gesture, um, but be aware that in uh, Vietnam, this gesture has a very negative meaning, um, so that you should not be uh, waving your crossed fingers around too much if you don't want to insult anybody. Right. So we, there, there's multiple examples of this where, where you can easily offend somebody by using a hand gesture or a body language posture that is perfectly familiar and acceptable in your native culture but may be viewed as either offensive or derogatory or insulting in another culture. What are some other examples of, of gestures that do not cross cultures well? Mm -hmm. uh, you uh, might be aware of the thumbs up gesture, which is perfectly fine in, in, in a lot of countries around the world. But if you go to the Middle East, this gesture means uh, actually, it, it's the same meaning as the middle finger, you know? Okay, so it is, it's, it's an insult or sexually charged offense. Exactly, it, it means, um, uh, it means uh, you can sit on this one which may or may not be pleasant for some people. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't want to try. <laughs> right. And one, one example that, that I came across as a European, and I was not aware of it until I actually read about the different meanings of gestures, the open face palm of your hand extended to somebody else. So you, you basically, in, in most Western cultures and throughout Uh, the Americas and Asia, an open hand towards somebody else means, hey, back off, give me some space, I, or, or stop right here, like a policeman in the middle of the road would, would make that gesture to signal people to stop. And I learned that in Greece, 
this is a very offensive gesture basically meaning I'm rubbing feces in your face or, or I'm I'm it, it's an insult basically so it is it is interesting oh. how how some uh, some gestures that seem to be universal have an exemption in one or two or three different cultures around the world this is uh, this is a very nice example that you're now mentioning um, that is uh, very specific for for the region uh, Greece and a few in, of the countries around it and um, this is really really um, a, a thing that you don't want to go mistaken in right so you're you created this uh, lexicon or this dictionary of gestures how many different cultures are currently represented in gestionary well, uh, speaking of cultures, it's a bit uh, difficult. I uh, grouped or, or I ordered the, um, the gestures uh, according to countries. And uh, uh, now there are 10 countries inside Gestionary. And we're working, of course, um, to, uh, to increase this number. Which is an excellent tool. So if you would like to use it, I would invite you to check out the show notes of this episode. We will post a link to Gestionary. It is available um, as an app for iOS devices. I hear Anik is working, on, her team are working on an Android version to follow soon, but for now it is available for iOS devices. Can you yeah. also use it? Can you access the Gestionary um, catalog online on a website? Until now, it's only uh, available uh, within the app, uh, but the app is uh, free of charge. So I, uh, I encourage everyone to just uh, go to the app store and download it. Um, and I have to ask for patience for Android users, um, but we will make sure that, um, that you'll be serviced soon. Excellent. And if you want to interact with it, there is, um, of course, they're present on social media. So there is a Twitter handle at Justinary, and there's also a Facebook page, um, and it's Justinary.com. So it's easy to find if you are too lazy to look up at the show notes, Justinary.com. <laughs> For everybody yeah. else, and I'm sure most of our listeners will make time to check out the show notes to find these links, because it's a gift to you. You get a free app with lots and lots of images explaining what these gestures mean and how to use or not to use them. I'm sure many of our listeners have seen those infographics that are being spread online about the do's and the don'ts of of gestures. This is the do's and don'ts There are millions list. of pages about it. Yes, mm -hmm. but you're, I, I found that Gestionary is the infographic on steroids. So you, you, you compiled, what, 200 images now or how many are there? Uh, around 250, I'd say. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. So forget all those infographics, get gestionary, because there you have a multitude of gestures and how to interpret them. Real life pictures, not with avatars. It's real people in real pictures. So this is your job. one point of reference. Right, right. Th th this is great. So for everybody who's traveling globally, this is a good starting point. This is a resource you can take on the go, which will add value to to how you cross cultures. Now, the idea for this concept obviously came from your own experience, right? So you are Dutch, but you don't live in the Netherlands. You currently live in... I live in Berlin. And you've been in Berlin for how long? 
Oh, it's uh, it's been over seven years now. So um, so some of uh, of Germany uh, is getting into me uh, as well. Okay, but I also know that you previously also spent time in an Asian country, correct? Correct. I uh, I lived in Japan in the beautiful city of Kyoto for a while, and um, I I spent uh, at first one year where I really um, was able to uh, to learn a lot about uh, Japanese culture and the language. Beautiful. So you you went well. Some would say in 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 comparing cultures, you basically went to the other end of the spectrum in in a, cer <laughs> in a certain respect. So. Uh, mm. Dutch and German culture are very well known for their directness and for their um, outspokenness and you went into a culture that is well known for maintaining faith and, and, mm. and harmony so how, how did you experience that transition? Um, well since I was at a very young age I was only 17 back then um, it was uh, I was not too aware uh, to be honest and it was only after um, this year um, and after starting studying Japanology which um, which is a studies that um, uh, looks into politics and culture and history and all those things um, that I was able to really reflect on all those um, differences between the Netherlands and Japan. And I'm sure you had your share of cultural misunderstandings while you lived in Kyoto, right? <laughs> of course I did. So would you care <laughs> to share some of those those fool moments where you maybe rubbed somebody the wrong way <laughs> oh i um uh, of course there's always the, the greeting that is uh, bowing in japan and uh it, it is pretty hard to get the right angle of bowing um it, do i say that right bowing or say, do i say bowing you say bow yes yes bow mm -hmm. so um so it's so the, the right angle is very important, of course. But I guess I got some uh, foreigners' uh, bonus points in that, and um, people didn't really, well, charge me for, okay. for not getting the right angle. But this is, this ha is something that you really um, get into after a long time um, in, in the country. It, it's not something you, you, uh, you can... Do instantly right. Right, and and are are the people in Japan patient with uh, the foreigners who are trying to learn it the Japanese way, or did you experience impatience with your Japanese peers? No, Japanese people are very patient. They are always uh, interested in hearing about life at the other side of of the globe, and. Um, uh, I uh, am lucky to have been um, uh, approached in such a, a very polite way, I must say. Um, I think I made a lot of mistakes um, in the meantime, um, and I didn't even know, because I, wasn't, I was not re uh, able to read the air. I don't know if you know this, um, yes. this uh, saying, by, um, which is uh, explained by Erin Meyer in the culture map. I think you do. Yes, she's uh, been on this podcast before, so for everybody who missed that episode, check out the the archives with Erin Meyer. She will tell you about reading the air very well. 
reading the air is, is a wonderful um, metaphor for um, being able to pick up signs that, um, that are not explicitly said. And um, I am 100% sure that I uh, missed a lot of those uh, unsaid things. So how do you recover from, from those communicative mistakes? So in our cultures, I'm German, you're Dutch, we learn to speak our mind. We, we are raised in, in a society where saying all your thoughts in a logical and chronological order is necessary to convey meaning and message. So we are, are very uh, low context communicators if you live in Japan and this is how you are used to communicate you're as you said you don't read the air you miss what the high context communicators are trying to tell you how, how do you recover from that how do you come to terms with that oh that is a hard question um, for me to answer I think I um, I think I, I just tried to be as polite as I could and uh, be as, um, uh, oh, how, how would I say that? There, there's this ch uh, Chinese saying uh, that goes that you have um, two eyes and two ears but only one mouth so that you should use it um, accordingly. And that that is um, that is very um, interesting, I think, because that that this is what I did a lot uh, um, most of the time, just watching and listening before really interacting. And uh, I think that helps in intercultural communication. Oh yes, it does. Observe more, talk less, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Now, seven years in Berlin. The, what some would say has become the capital of Europe or the hippest place in Europe. I'm sure people from London and Paris and Rome and Madrid would, would disagree, but uh, it seems that the consensus is that Berlin is still hot. Um, how did you experience Germany's biggest city coming from, uh, from the Netherlands? Berlin is a, is a vibrant place where people from all over the globe um, meet and uh, live together in, uh, in good harmony, I would say. And um, for me, as a, as a Dutch person, it, it was not hard to, um, to make myself... Um, to make myself live here, to um, to find friends, to uh, to work. I think it's a lot dif more difficult for pe for uh, people from other countries. I I hear a lot of people speak Spanish on the streets here, and um, I, it's it's uh, Kreuzberg that I live in, and this has been um, uh, a, a neighborhood where a lot of people from all different countries um, live. Tur Turkey, for instance, the Turkish. Um, community is huge and yeah. quite bad. Is, isn't Berlin still the biggest Turkish city outside of Turkey? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I've, I've noticed in, in, in my career, in my lifetime, that it is, for the most people who cross a big cultural gap, like coming from Western Europe, going into Japan, you anticipate that there is going to be a huge gap in the way things are done, how you communicate, how you behave. So you expect difference. With other cultures that are 
on paper rather similar so German and Dutch culture we sometimes miss the nuances that are different is that something mm. that you've experienced as well yes uh, very much I think the culture shock between the Netherlands and Germany was even bigger than the culture shock I had when in Japan oh wow um, not because the, uh, the, the differences were um, were they were just more impactful you know um, the way how people um, approach work life and work-life balance for instance um, the way how people approach hier hier hierarchy and stuff like that um, can you give us an example so germans are more hierarchical than the dutch is that what you're saying certainly yeah. yes i think um i have I have never heard of a team manager in Germany that works uh, less than uh, 100%, which is 40 hours a week in Germany. And uh, this was so different from the experiences I had in the Netherlands, where um, probably all of my former um, uh, team leads were working part-time because of um, family they had, uh, small children that they would um, spend time with for maybe a few time, uh, a few years in a row before going back to work 100%, you know, but really using the time to uh, to spend maybe one day a week with the children. So a different value in terms of work-life balance. The work is still the it's giving identity, it's giving meaning to uh, Germans more than it does to the Dutch. Uh, I think status is uh, connected uh, very much to work, um, to conclude that, yes. And um, uh, I was used to another status orientation in the Netherlands, right. where it ha has to do more with maybe sports you are good at or you want to be good at. And, and stuff like that. Well, that, that you make a, a very good segue into something that I was going to ask you. There, with, with neighbors like the Netherlands and Germany, or let's see other examples, um, Spain and Portugal, Brazil and Argentina, uh, there are long-lasting rivalries. They go back either because of political history or sports history so um, those of you who live in Europe and who are familiar with with the game of soccer or as the European world would call it football there is an old old rivalry between the orange team from the Netherlands mm -hmm. and the black and white team from Germany so is that something that you experience that being uh, a Dutch person in Germany that they would make reference to that in day-to-day -day conversation oh yeah you guys you orange team and we don't like you is, is that something you experience no I, I, I do experience um, uh, remarks about football uh, like we call it uh, uh, indeed um, it's always jokingly it's always a, um, a nice point of conversation um, at the coffee machine, but there's not never any uh, real rivalry um, okay. in that sense. It's not a hostility, and for uh, many Germans who are of a certain age that are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s now, of course, uh, 
tread very carefully when they uh, talk about Germany's history. So Germany, for those of you who are not familiar with German history, during the Nazi regime occupied most, or if not everything, of Netherlands. We, the German army, basically bulldozed over the Netherlands and 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 terrorized their neighbors. So there is still, for for many older Germans, they're 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 careful how they approach that topic. Is that sentiment still there in the Netherlands? Do you still feel that the Dutch fear the Germans, the big neighbor? Um, no, I think that changed a lot during the last 20 years. Um, and uh, I remember from my childhood that there was always jokes about Germans. And um, I, it's been a long time since I heard those jokes, you know. Um, of course, between um, uh, nationalities, there's always joking. We joke about the Belgians too, um, but the jokes about the Germans were always a bit more, you know, there was a bit more pepper to it. Right. <laughs> and uh, and this really disappeared in the last twenty years, whereas um, um, I think. Um, I think the Netherlands want to be friends with the Germans, actually. It's the big brother in Europe, you know, and um, it is obvious that Germany has a lot more to say in Europe than uh, the Netherlands do. So do you, what do you think is the reason for uh, the jokes going away? Has Germany changed in the eyes of the people in the Netherlands? Pooh. I don't know. I think um, it has a lot to do with time. Um, the Second World War is a long time ago, and um, we all have learned from our experiences. And um, time heals, you know. Um, it, it heals all wounds. And um, so I don't know whether whether the um, whether the country has changed. I. I experience a Germany that is open and that is tolerant and that is um, uh, creative and and complex in the same time and all and of course not all of the country is uh, as tolerant as I would like to see it um, which which is a, a pretty normal thing I mean um, but you make a compelling point. You, you experience a Germany that is creative and open and welcoming, which is not necessarily the stereotype that many people would have of Germany if they haven't visited the country in a long time. So mm. um, I'm, I'm, as a German who lives abroad, I, I'm uh, excited to hear that from a foreigner who, who made Berlin their home. So Berlin obviously is not fully representative of the rest of the country, but it, would you subscribe to the idea that it is the city you want to be in right now in Europe if you're in the creative industry? Oh, there's a lot of things going on in Berlin, definitely. And um, people move... Well, they used to move here um, because the rents were so low and uh, people... It was an easy life 10 years ago. Um, in the meantime, rents have gone up and um, it is not as um, uh, inexpensive as it used to be, but still uh, Berlin is a city where there's uh, 
more things are possible here than in London, uh, which is um, just an expensive and full city. Um, so the uh, full um, in, in terms of um, the city has its borders and if you're outside the city then you're outside the city um, and in Berlin there's still so much room for well for new things so would you say that just an area would have not happened had you stayed in the Netherlands or had you gone to London I don't know. Um, I was very young as I um, came across the um, the subject uh, of uh, gesticulation, and it it has fascinated me all over. Um, so um, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it would have happened, um, but it was definitely good to be in Berlin, where I experienced other people. Um, programming uh, an application and it made me think of um, whether I could do that too. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you did because now we have a, a product that is, is, is useful for a, a big variety of people. But outside of Gestionary, you also, well, you have a day job, so to say. Gestionary is a project that you've been working on, but you go in, in your German um, uh, way you present yourself, you call you call yourself the Fragenstellerin, the one who asks questions. So mm -hmm. if you look up Haneke online, you go to Fragenstellerin.de, which is our German domain. You also have an English domain, which goes, I think, by your full name, right? HanekeRiedeich.com. True, that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. So, what does the Fragenstellerin do? How how do you ask questions, and how does that benefit people? Um, so uh, my job, I think you could um, uh, you you could describe it by business coach. I help people to um, find answers to their own questions, and I obviously do that by asking them questions too. <laughs> so um, I help um, particularly young professionals who are maybe now three, four or five years on, on their way in uh, business life to, um, to ask the important questions about themselves uh, in order to get a step, a step ahead. And um, my customers are companies who want their, um, their uh, team leads to, uh, to become uh, more efficient or um, um, a more self-secure um, and um, also people just come to me because they um, they see uh, problems with their with their own work-life balance for instance or they have certain requests for their careers and I try to help them with my smart questions which I think are far more important than um, giving uh, any recommendations because answers um, to the questions, I believe, can only be given by the person who uh, are questioning themselves. Beautiful, and I fully, I fully support that because statements are just repeating the things we already know. But by asking questions, we have a chance to come up with new answers. So 
Mm -hmm. I'm, true, I'm, very true. I'm fully behind that. So if you would like to Hi. get in touch with Haneke, there is multiple ways. You can find her on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and also on the German um, version of LinkedIn, which is called Xing, X-I-N-G. We will post all these social media links in the show notes so people can get in touch with you, Haneke. Um, nice. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, you'll, you'll, you may get new friends. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would hope so. So, uh, parting words, what would you recommend to someone who is a young professional who, or maybe is um, still in university um, trying to take advantage of the uh, free college education system in Germany? What would you recommend to young professionals coming to Berlin or to Germany in general, you being a foreigner having made it in Germany? What are some of the tips that people need to know? Oh, I could talk uh, for hours about that, but uh, let me give I'll, give, I'll give you two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> two minutes. Oh, I am not sure whether I can make that. But one important thing is make sure that you uh, bring um, your diplomas and your certificates and that they are uh, in a way that Germans can understand them. That is very important in Germany if you want to um, get a job and you want to be uh, taken um, seriously, this is something that you need to take care of. I was uh, underestimating that point um, back then. So this so is the first thing. No, no diploma, no job, basically. Germans need to have a written confirmation of your competence, otherwise they will not believe your claims how great you are. Yeah, true, and uh, the, it has to be a pile of uh, documents too. I mean, uh, if you just bring your uh, high school certificates, um, you will not um, be able to uh, uh, to make it, I'm sure. And what about the cliche that Germans are hard to make friends with? What do you what do you tell them? I don't know. Um, for me, it was not that hard. I um, I. I did try um, very hard to learn the language um, as soon as I came to Berlin and this really helped me um, because of course I, I um, learned some uh, new, f I, I, I got some new friends through language courses, yes, um, but since I was um, uh, always trying to apply the things I learned in, la in language course um, and people really appreciated that, I think um, it was not at all hard to get in contact with other people. There you go, the language is the vehicle because yes, Berlin speaks English at every corner and most Germans sure. do. However, if you go the extra mile and, and show that you are willing to learn the local language, that will always open the doors and the hearts of people. Um, and it is very, very necessary if you really want to experience what a city is about, um, not only Berlin, it comes for every, every other place in this world. If you really want to know what it's about, it is so necessary that you um, that you learn the language because there are so many layers in the language that you need for understanding. Wise words. Dank je wel, Hanneke. I hope I said that right. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for taking time for us. Um, all of you that are listening, I welcome you to go on the website 
hanekeriedaik.com or fragenstellerin.de, also Justinary. We will post all the links, everything you need to know about the app and Haneke's work. You'll find it in the show notes. Haneke, thank Thanks. you so much for Good. taking time. Say hello to Germany for me. Have fun in I Berlin and, and, and change some lives. Thank you very much, Christian. It was an honor to be on your show. Hanneke Riedijk. And these Dutch words are hard to say for me. Riedijk. I think she told me to roll the R and more in the back of my throat. And she said not quite the Spanish way, like like Torrero. It's more like Riedijk, I believe. Well, we're still learning, all of us. So Gestionary is the app you want to download. The link you'll find in the show notes. It'll take you to iTunes, so you got to have an iOS device. And you'll also find all the other links that lead to Haneke, her services, her business, herself. So people, watch what you're doing with your hands, all right? Your hand language is not universal. So this almost completes this episode of the Culture Guy podcast. Remember to give us a like on Facebook, The Culture Guy. Check out our company Facebook page, The Culture Mastery. Of course, there's also a website for the business, theculturemastery.com. There is a Twitter handle for it as well, at Culture Mastery. And you'll find me at Höferle. If you don't know how to spell my name, you should look up the other resources I just named. And you will find me and meet me, hopefully, in Tulsa, Oklahoma in November for the CETAR USA Annual Conference. I have the privilege to present there on the Saturday, but I'll be there, I believe, starting Wednesday the 8th or 9th. I, I don't have my calendar in front of me. So uh, check it out, cetarusa.org, or check our blog, theculturemastery.com forward slash blog. There's some articles around the CETAR annual conference. We actually did a podcast announcing the CETAR conference with Brett Perry. Give that a listen as well, please. And I hope to see many of you, those of you who live in the United States or in North America, if you're in this field, if crossing cultures is what you're passionate about, then please come to the CETAR USA annual conference, meet with me, talk, up, uh, talk me up, and we'll sit down. I'll have my recording devices with me. We'll sit down and record an, uh, an interview for this podcast. All right. With that, Justinary reminding you, look it up, download it, it's free, it'll help you. Take care, my friends, and come back for the next episode. Talk to you soon. Trust your process.